Welcome to the Wretched Hive Podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Eisler Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. Well, our dreams have come true. Dave Filoni is in charge of Star Wars. It's official. And we're going to tell you all about it because you have found the Wretched Hive podcast for Friday, June 11th, 2021. We are celebrating an anniversary this week, guys. Episode 200, our bicentennial show. Hot damn. Episode number 200 of the show. And we're so glad you have joined us to celebrate on this fine evening. My name is Steve Baldwin and the entire hive is here to party like freaking rock stars because it is our 200th episode and we're ready to get down with some star Wars and Marvel news with you, our listeners. Yeah. As we fill your ear holes with (laughs) goo, with news and, (laughs) and information about star Wars and to start us off, it is my good friend, the Wookiee co-pilot, the one and only Greg Lent. Steve and B. Anthony, oh my God, I feel like it is a monumental episode and you're just not selling it enough. The fact that we, the five of us, have managed to cobble together 200 episodes of oral greatness. I was really worried where you were going with that for a split second. <laughs> in a row? Uh, in a row. Yes, God damn it. 200. And it, but again, is it really 200? Is it really 200? Are you counting the mini episodes in that? He's too? counting all the yes. mini episodes. Yes. The mini episodes yeah. have counted. In yeah. he, is, sure. he is using Marvel numbering for this. So the 0.5 issues, the LR issues, <laughs> the slashback issues, it all, all of counts. the variant, variant cover edition issues. Everything registers here, oh. even though the content is basically just us talking about our lightsabers with Look, each other. You, you guys don't have to, you don't have to produce anything. All right. You, you try dragging one. Walton and Lanier up and down the court for 48 minutes tonight. All right. You guys don't have to do Jack. I produced 200 of these goddamn things. And I'm this is, Murdoch. It's see right here. Roger Murdoch. It, this isn't talking about our lightsabers like out of skin deep with John Ritter, is it? Well, uh, absolutely. I, I knew Dave absolutely. was going that deep. And then you with the airplane references. Uh, oh my God. All right. I haven't caught up Steve. with the drinking yet. Come on. <laughs> do you like but to hey. watch gladiator movies, Billy? <laughs> but I do, I, I do got to give props first and foremost, and then I'll sign off with my intro here, which is the longest intro in the history of time outside of what we do with poor Dave over here. That's great, Greg. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. As I got to give props to Steve. The man has wrangled us yes. cat for 200 episodes and done a fantastic job. And not only this, you've managed to create other podcasts in the meantime as well. Steve. Where do you find the time, you motherfucker? Yeah, You know, I make the time because it's all about the listeners. We got to keep them informed about the Star Wars and Marvel universe. And if we don't do it, who's going to do it? So one would say other podcasts out there, they're going to take on the mantle of Star Wars. Are you part of the time variance? 175 other Star Wars podcasts. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. 
Not really. There's just us. But there's right? no other podcasts that the primary focus of the show is the Wretched Hive podcast. That's right. That is absolutely the truth. That's right. And uh, we... <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's no other podcast that talks about Star Wars and Marvel except for every other podcast that's out there. <laughs> <laughs> Just every other. But there's no one else. There's no other podcast that has this man as a host. He is the captain of the Nico Rodriguez. Hey, hi. Hello. How are you? I'm great, Nico. How are you? Good. <laughs> So it's such an anticlimactic introduction, and I love it. You know, well, you were asking somebody, and nobody was sure who you were asking. I think we were expecting you to. Be I feel like thing. after two hundred episodes of the same, you know, introduction, Steve knows I'm always talking to him. He's always the one that responds, but that's okay. He dropped the ball this time. He's a busy producer of multiple <laughs> Disney we need, podcasts. Do we need to mix it up? Do I need to change up the? Are you are you tired of? No. I like it. I'm fine. You know, hey, you got to own what you are, who you are. I mean, you it know? came straight from Lucas. Did it film. come from Lucas? Film? Yes, it, it did. It did not, yeah. but that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, also on the show tonight, who else is on the show tonight? Oh, oh did I skip over you? You did. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> totally throwing me off. Happy 200, Scott Evanski. Uh, my soundboard got mixed up. Right here. I'm really sorry about it. Oh, wow. What happened? I don't well, know. It's, it's, it's not a, like he's sitting next to you in the room there or anything. That's like why. That. You know, and, and he's, we're sitting, we're not facing each other. That's so, true. That's true. Uh, it's weird. Uh, this man right here to my left is a lifelong Star Wars fan. Steve Vansky. Oh, Steve, what is this? Like the third episode I've been back in the studio? See, that's why. It's kind of throwing off my groove. It's, it's thrown, amazing. Throwing off the Emperor's groove. Yeah, I'm here. I'm alive. <laughs> I survived a speeder bike crash in the last seven to ten days. Wow. I feel fantastic. Careening into a tree just like a stormtrooper. Just <laughs> like a bitch-ass stormtrooper who doesn't know what he's doing. Yep, that's right. But I'm Who's here. Did you make a Wilhelm scream at least as you hit whatever you hit when you were going down? <laughs> I actually did. Greg, we need a Wilhelm scream uh, soundboard on one of our soundboards, by the way. How do we not have that? Um, yeah, I'm surprised we don't at this point. Ah! Right? Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty much like that. Oh, and finally. Oh, spare me your pity, niece's pieces. We have. I'm developing my own movie. Dave. It's called Hungry Hungry Hippos. <laughs> Under no circumstances. I play a rogue marble that escapes from hell to exact revenge on the hippos that killed his daughter. Should you ever. Don't condescend me, tall Bono. <laughs> and I mean. You've also played characters named Raz Al Ghul and Qui-Gon Jinn. Which, of course, are the names of two of my three testicles. <laughs> Ever! What's the third one called? <laughs> Get really worried. The fixer. They say he makes problems go away. Harry. <laughs> Lack the key qualities of a true movie star. Potter. The skin of a sun-dried gremlin. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dave. Welcome to the show, Dave. <laughs> No, nothing like a lead in about somebody's three testicles to really just get you fired up to, to talk about everything that's going on here. Thank you, Greg. That was that's that's awesome. That's special. That's our 200th episode. 
that's probably our, I'm going to say 125th time you've done something like that for this. So that, Mm -hmm. that's good. That's some thought process. That wasn't just what you randomly found on, you know, YouTube roulette today for a a clip or something. There was some (laughs) definite, definite thought process there. Thank you. I wish it was as easy as just going YouTube roulette and finding something that's funny, because if you just go YouTube random videos, it's really shit. I'm just, I'm just telling you that right now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to all of you out there in podcast land, good afternoon, good evening, good morning to you, wherever, whenever, however you are listening to us. We are five by five tonight. We are back. We are strong. It is episode 200. We are reveling in our 200th episode gifts, our wretched hive jerseys, courtesy of producer extraordinaire Steve Baldwin. So when you see those snazzy dressed guys walking down the street, you know, like we're out of a, a Tarantino flick or something like that, all wearing matching jerseys that are not from a sporting team, but a podcast. It's us motherfuckers. That's right. <laughs> it is us. And I will apologize in advance to readers. If you suddenly hear me start yelling expletives or instructions at other small living creatures, it's the, uh, the Kindle of kittens that I'm living with right now that have no regard for personal property or any boundaries that exist. <laughs> Are they getting into your things at this point, Dave? Oh, good God, do they ever. <laughs> keep nice. your comic books locked up. That's all I got to say. Just keep the comic books locked up. The, co- the comic books are locked up. Uh, some of the bookshelves are not locked up, though, and they, they're small enough that they fit in there. And I have great pictures of them having you know, wormed their way in between the top of the shelf and the, the row of books that are on the shelf. They're just looking oh, at yeah. like, hey, look at me. I'm Most cool. Definitely. So uh, I don't want to look a gift horse in the mouth, but since there's five of us, shouldn't they have been basketball jerseys? Or do we need to hire nine more members of the Wretched Hive to, so we Damn can actually shield the baseball team? Well, technically, okay. So so just to pull the curtain back a little bit, uh, we're celebrating episode 200, and I usually get the guys a, a little celebratory gift. And we got baseball jerseys that are customized with the Wretched Hive. Yeah. And there's actually five of us on the show, but – Longtime listeners of the show know that there's actually a sixth Hyvian. He's a been on the show. He's been on the show. He's been on the show uh, briefly. Yeah, barely. Mm-hmm. He won't come on as an actual guest. Mm. I think he said about six words actually over the course of his uh, appearances and kibitzes. Yeah, and that's Chris Evans, not the actor, the English teacher. It's the actor. Looks it's, just like the actor. It's the actor. He looks just like the actor. Let's just call it out. Um, it's the actor. And so uh, the sixth Hyvian, Chris Evans, also has a jersey. So there's actually six jerseys in existence. So there's a, I guess we could field a basketball team and have somebody on the bench. Yeah. Well, okay. here's, so, so here's, here's what happens. So we, we also get jerseys for uh, Matt and Christina from the Hellflowers because they've been on. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And who, who is our, our, our lovely, uh, other lovely model friend who came on Scott. Oh, your Miss Jackie. Uh, Jackie. Yes, Jackie. There you go. Well, That'll we be... got to get one for Sand Sweet. Sand Sweet needs one. No, he's he's you, coach. You, he's you, the You never miss a chance to suck up there, do you, Steve? Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> Sand Sweet. Well, you know he can do whatever he wants on this show. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's only ten. Still, right. we're we're still missing. We only need nine for a baseball team. Oh, okay. Well, more if you want to have a relief pitcher in any scenario. Ah, uh, that's overrated. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe just fine with that relief pitching, aren't they? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think you're talking about the other Los Angeles team. Yes. <laughs> the Angels. 
don't have any pitching, but uh, yeah, I'm glad you guys like them. And um, you know, Chris has never been on the show officially, uh, officially, yeah. but uh, he's going to be joining the show very often because uh, I produce another podcast uh, that it's actually Chris's podcast called lit matters lit matters. It's a, it's not what you think it is from the title. He, he, uh, (laughs) he interviews uh, English, other English professors that talk about a book that uh, we should all be reading and relates a classic work of literature to today's news. Oh man, I've promoted this totally wrong. I'm so sorry. I thought it was something totally different. <laughs> it's a fantastic idea. Um, for example, the first uh, the first episode was a professor from Wake Forest University uh, talking about Moby Dick and how the story of Moby Dick is applicable to today's society. Um, and it's a, it's a great podcast. And in that show, because I'm the producer, I have all access to all of Chris's everything Chris says. <laughs> so I pulled a clip that I figure we'll use quite often because Chris <clears throat> won't come on the wretched hive because I don't know, he's scared or something. Yeah. But yeah. from now on, he'll be making frequent appearances with this clip. I agree entirely. <laughs> That's fine. So we can pretty much say whatever we want and ask if Chris agrees and then he will say this. I agree entirely. Okay, Chris, I, does that sound fair to you? I, I was, agree entirely. <laughs> All right, good. Glad. I was joking about the promoting that show wrong, but that clip sounds like I was promoting it right. I agree entirely. <laughs> <laughs> See how easy that is? Are you sure that's not Dave Chappelle? Or... Chris, do you mind if we use this clip? Do you agree that we should use this clip multiple times every episode? I agree entirely. That's what I thought. All right. All right. Perfect. Good man. All right. Well, um, if you've ever made fun of your best friend on a podcast, give <laughs> us a call and let us know how that went on the Wretched Hive hotline. That's 562-455-4483. That's 562-455-HIVE. That's H-I-V-E. In case, In case you, can't. you can't spell hive. You goddamn right. <laughs> We're out of practice. Remember to say it. <laughs> and you can also find us on Facebook. That's Facebook, Facebook, that's what I said. Facebook.com forward slash wretched hive podcast. I just did. You can also find us on Twitter at wretch hive pod. I agree entirely. Thank you, Chris. Um, and you can also stream every episode of the wretched hive podcast by going to our website. That's at wretched hive podcast.net. I agree entirely. And you can find every episode from that we've done ever. All 200 episodes. Even, Steve, even before we called it the Wretched Hive podcast, those episodes are on there as well. Yeah, it's like it's like looking at your kids first kindergarten drawing that yeah. they were really proud of at the time and they put it up on the refrigerator <laughs> and it, you don't know what it is, but it's still there. Yeah, yeah. Those episodes are there. Yeah. So the, the the fist odor episodes are there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, they are. All right. We uh, do have oh the man. fist odor. I forgot about that. Oh my. Let's get it. Put, put those on the next jerseys, buddy. <laughs> From ABC News World Headquarters. This is ABC World News Tonight. <laughs> No, it's not. It's Star Wars news with the Wretched Hive. So be it. Uh, guys, 
I think it was about two years ago. It was long before The Mandalorian ever came about. That we were talking about the fact that Star Wars needed a showrunner similar to Marvel and that it should be Dave Filoni. Do you remember this conversation? Tallulah does. Tallulah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I do. I think I know where this is going, Steve. I think somebody's going to be taking credit for this, right? We, Yeah, we will. (laughs) We'll take credit for it because two years later, recently, about a month ago, Dave Filoni got promoted at Lucasfilm. His position is now... Uh, shoot, wait for it. Executive creative director at Lucasfilm. He is the top ranked creative person in Lucasfilm. Scott, he's basically running the creative side of Star Wars now. So, so what you're telling me is he's running the show. That's what we're getting at here. Well, yeah, and he should be. Yeah. Is, uh, is that really the movie? And TV side or just the TV that's, side? And, and that's where I think this kind of breaks down a little bit. Because right. I don't know that he got promoted. I think he got a fancy title and a pay raise to reflect the job that he's already doing. Okay. As that's opposed fair. to being given new responsibilities. Like, I don't suddenly think he's, you know, telling Kevin Feige how to make his Star Wars movie. Well, let's read from Variety.com and get to the bottom of this. This is um, titled... The Mandalorian uh, executive producer, Dave Filoni's new, in quotes, to your point, Dave, job at Lucasfilm isn't actually new, but fans on Twitter got excited anyway. The force is strong with Dave Filoni, and so it seems is Twitter. Last summer, Lucasfilm quietly promoted executive, the executive producer and frequent writer and director of The Mandalorian to executive creative director for the entire studio. I'm just going to repeat entire that studio. line. I'm just going to repeat that line. Last summer, Lucasfilm quietly promoted the executive producer and frequent writer and director of The Mandalorian to executive creative director of the entire studio. That would be Lucasfilm. A rep confirms with Variety, but the company didn't update its website with Filoni's new title until this week. So he's so, been doing this for the last year. He has. Yes. He's been doing it for a year, but it really just became public a month ago. Well, that could have been part of the contract. Could have been. Could have been. But the company didn't update its website with Filoni's new title until this week. Um, by the way, this article is dated uh, to, to, to May 20th, so it's a l- little bit outdated. A um, couple weeks old. Until this week, which is when it began to percolate and then explode across Reddit and Twitter, blah, blah, blah. Look, nobody knew about it until two weeks ago. The point is, Dave Filoni is running Lucasfilm, Star Wars properties. Now, in terms of whether or not he's telling Kevin Feige what he can or can't do with his Star Wars movie, who knows? But I'll bet he is getting at least green lighting it yeah or at least being consulted by the way that coincides with the actual star wars day release right may 25th 
It was made 20 <laughs> seconds. I just won. Greg pointed that out before. I have to keep on, keep that going. You missed a show. I know. And I think it was the May 25th show when we were recording that you missed. And uh, you got called out for that. that yeah. yeah. So it's okay. We, we I, wasn't, got, I wasn't calling you out that you weren't here. I was just calling out. It was unfortunate that you were not there. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I was no. calling out in a good way. Exactly. Yeah. I, I did not take it that way. All I'm yeah, saying yeah. is notice the implication of this this is a huge thing they waited until not may 4th may 22nd which is just days before the official star wars day that's all i'm saying uh reading on in the variety article the excitement is understandable the 46 year old has been a fixture at lucasfilm ever since george lucas selected him in 2005 to oversee the animated series clone wars um skipping down a little bit lucas was such an important mentor to Filoni that many fans see the latter as the true heir to the Star Wars mythology. So this this is only good news for Star Wars fans and and for and and for for the property as a whole. I I think that the issue that Star Wars has had could largely be you know traced back to a lack of leadership from the top and you know we've we had the kathleen kennedy conversation for a year in the wake of um the last jedi so we don't have to go there again necessarily but at the time i think that there was just there wasn't somebody that was as hands-on as what marvel had with with kevin vega and now i think that this is a great move by lucasfilm to 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 install someone like dave filoni in that position yeah i don't know i don't know uh Feige's official title with Marvel, but I think it's pretty clear that he sets the tone from everything, movies, TV, top to bottom, and and tying everything together into a cohesive what is now the MCU. He is literally the watcher of the MCU, mm-hmm. um, and to put it into Marvel parlance there. Um, and... I think I agree with you that while Kathleen Kennedy has a vast amount of experience in producing films and, and running these types of, you know, multimedia entertainment companies, I don't know that creatively that may have been her forte. And so if they're giving that responsibility to Filoni here, then I applaud them uh, for making that decision. Yeah. Filoni's title is executive creative director. Fage's title is chief creative officer. Pretty similar. Pretty similar. And I'm going to piggyback on both what you and Greg said. Um, That's my thing. That's exactly what I was having an issue with was I never disliked Kathleen Kennedy for what she's been able to accomplish. She is a producer of an unbelievable amount of body of work, but that's what I always felt was lacking in the sequels was the creative creative element that George was in the original uh, the trilogy. Yeah. So it's good to see this happening. And it's clear that he has direction and, and an understanding, not just from Lucas, but from creating the Clone Wars itself. So it's great. Well, a lot of... Mm-hmm. Uh, on the on the cinematic side, we've got the the only thing official and announced coming right now is the uh, Patty Jenkins Rogue Squadron movie, yeah. and nebulously out there is possibly the Ryan Johnson, possibly the Benioff 
uh, Weiss Game of Thrones guys movie, possibly the Kevin Feige project and a somewhat confirmed Taika Waititi project. But yeah, that's all still kind of nebulous stuff that's happening and how that all ties in is anybody's best guess. Is that right right now? Is the Benioff and Weiss even on the table anymore? I, I think that that's was- off the table with their Netflix deal at this point. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And the Patty Ryan Johnson thing sure. is yeah. it, the Ryan Johnson thing. Like he just signed a huge contract to do knives out two and three. Yeah. So he just kind of looks knowingly at the camera whenever anybody asks him about star Wars. And it's like, yeah, like that's not happening anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. But he, he's very non-committal either way about it. So just, just meaning nothing's in the, in the pipeline at all, yeah. really going forward. Okay. Do you, do you think this announcement of Filoni and stuff might have affected, and I, I read somewhere, I know it's been in the last like maybe four or five, six months, um, The Mandalorian season three is not coming out in 2021, that it actually was oh. pushed to 2022. Hmm. Uh, we do know that the Book of Boba Fett's coming out. Do you think that might have been a factor in that also? Hmm. Change of position, some new direction maybe, I don't know. Hmm. Have you guys heard this? Did you see any of these articles about the Mandalorian coming out now in 2022? That stuff really just kind of broke like in the past couple days. I mean, there's, there, there's a thing on uh, a variety where uh, it was a conversation between Ewan McGregor and Pedro Pascal. um, And they danced around it a little bit. And then Pedro Pascal flat out said, you know, in, in no uncertain terms that they have not shot anything yet for uh, Mandalorian season three. It's completely right. on hold right now. And then he says, I don't think I was supposed to say that. <laughs> well, and, and I don't, I don't, but I don't think that's a surprise for anybody. Right. I mean, they've, they've been very upfront that book of Boba Fett is coming out in the time frame that Mandalorian season one and two have come out. And yes, it, it yes. doesn't seem like, Disney is launching these studio properties concurrently, yeah. right? Like yeah. they'll have, if the star Wars property is running, there is one star Wars property run. If a Marvel property is running, there's one Marvel property running and yeah. the studios may run concurrent properties, but it's not like two star Wars things are dropping a week. Yeah. And, they, and again, that's, that's a, a safe assumption. I think that's what we all were falling into is the safe assumption of that, but they didn't clarify that up until recently. Right. Yeah, I mean, they they had the initial announcement immediately after season two of Mandalorian with the announcement of the Book of Boba Fett was that it would be Book of Boba Fett and pretty much immediately followed by Mandalorian season three. That was the yeah. schedule. That was a year ago. Well, it was, you know, December now. It was six months it was, ago. It was last year. And and lots, lots has changed since then. Um, you know, they've got the Obi-Wan show full steam ahead. They've got the uh, Cassie Nandor show full steam ahead. Yeah. Um, I've heard that that Rangers of the New Republic with the firing of Gina Carano is completely off the schedule now. I hear that's gone. Mm-hmm. So there's some retooling. I mean, that's, you know, a lot has happened in the past six months. And so it's, it's not really a surprise. You know, my only hope is that with them making Book of Boba Fett only three episodes, maybe since they have some extra time, maybe they can pad that out a little bit, maybe get made, make it four or five episodes. Maybe. All right. So I have an article here just to run this down really quick. Uh, again, a, a very reputable source variety reporting on every star Wars movie and Disney project beyond 2021. 
So starts with Bad Batch, May 4th. And we're going to talk about Bad Batch a little bit later tonight. But Book of Boba oh, Fett, December 2021. Visions, Star Wars Visions in 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, an anime style show. Um, Andor 2022. That's Cassie and Andor. Uh, Rogue One extension. Obi-Wan Kenobi 2022. Oh, that's the one I can't wait for. I just, I'm so excited for that. Mandalorian it's, season. It's three. literally five hours of making Adobe. Yes. Furiously. <laughs> Hand over fist. That that's the word I'll never forget. Greg. Using. Um, Somehow that's going to end up in my epitaph. I'm sure it will <laughs> on, your fish. on your tombstone. It'll yeah. say furiously and I'll know what it means. And I'll laugh every time. I see it. Uh, Rogue Squadron, December 2023. That's going to be exciting. Yeah. Ahsoka live action series oh, with I Rosario Dawson. Yes. That one. Yeah. So that then we're so that so we're into well, it says undated, but Rogue Squadron is December 2023. So are we to assume that Ahsoka is 2024? I think they just put it there or because they they haven't given a date a okay. date yet. All right. And they they put the other one back up, uh, the Mandalorian season three, just in the 2022 slot, even though that was also listed as undated. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, Rangers of the New Republic is still listed here, but highly yeah, suspect. Yeah, that's got to be old because I hear that show is dead. Um, this show, this is dated yeah. in May, but yeah, I yeah. agree. The- okay, well, that's not that's not old. So yeah, maybe it's still out there but uh, you know that show was basically going to be centered around gina carano's character character yeah. and that character id no more maybe they they, they, liter- they literally took a mandalorian novel off the publication set, uh, schedule for later this year because cara dunes was a featured character in it oh cara dune is cara done what the fuck ever she's <laughs> she's dead to me now i don't need to know how to pronounce her name <laughs> Card done See, I made a joke. Hold uh, on. Here, here. Oh, now it's funny. Uh, well uh, the, the, the Acolyte. Um, no, not so much. <laughs> that one, I'm, that's the that's the Sith Lord one, right? Yeah, it sounds like it. Yes. Yeah. Wait, Chris, was that funny? I agree entirely. Yeah, you do. Um, <laughs> ooh, Lando. Yeah. Lando. Lando oh, live right. action series. Live. Got, but no announcement who was going to be in that Lando live action series at all. I think it was su- very much hinted at it would be Donald Glover, but he yeah. has been very quiet. No updates on Atlanta, no updates on Childish Gambino efforts. Mm-hmm. Um, that guy has kind of been laying low ever since the pandemic hit. Yeah, good for him. Actually, did you guys see that uh, Kira uh, made a comeback recently? Oh, yeah, I yeah. did. Did. Yeah. Is anybody reading the War of the Bounty Hunters? Anybody into the comic book side of things? I, I am reading about the War of the Bounty Hunters. I'm not actually reading War of the Bounty Hunters, though. Uh, War of Bounty Hunters to Catch People Up is the latest crossover comic book series uh, carrying over in all of the current Marvel Star Wars comic books, that which is Star Wars, Darth Vader, uh, Dr. Aphra, Bounty Hunters... And that may be it. And then there is a titular War of the Bounty Hunters series. Also, the story is about uh, what happens after 
Boba Fett leaves Cloud City with Han Solo's body encased in carbonite and hijinks ensue as somebody steals the carbonite casing from Boba Fett's possession. I saw a cell where Kira was sort of longing over Han's carbonite frozen, you know. Yeah, that that's the big spoiler alert reveal from episode from issue issue one of of War of the Bounty Hunters is that Kira is the one who stole Han Solo's carbonite. I'm so so sorry. Hold on. (laughs) Kidding. You can't play the spoiler alert after you spoil something. Damn it. Sorry. But I've been reading it and 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 enjoying. So you know they're they're light, they're fun. Um, I, I'm liking it so far. I've also been reading the the new High Republic series as well. Um, oh, I heard that early days of the, of the of the Jedi Council, the comic um, series, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and also good. I read the first novel of the High Republic series, and I thought it was uh, it was good. Maybe not great, but good. Yeah. Okay. Um, just making my way down this list, we talked about Lando, a droid story featuring uh, R2-D2 and uh, C-3PO. <laughs> and uh, are they going to bring back R2-D2's girlfriend? Um, it looks like it. Yeah. Good. Uh, Taika Waititi, the Taika Waititi movie. Um, all of these are now undated. Uh, Ryan Johnson movie trilogy. Kevin Feige's movie. He looks like someone that would beat your ass if you looked at him wrong. In that picture, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Looks kind of tough. Um, J.D. Dillard project, untitled and undated. Hmm. J.D. Dillard, is. who directed Slight and Sweetheart, is teaming up with writer Matt Owens, who wrote Agents of Shield, to develop a new Star Wars project. Okay. All right. And that's sure. the end of the list. So yeah. Half of that list is undated and unconfirmed. Interesting. Okay. Fair enough. That's All a right. lot of stuff that we don't know. It's a lot of news we know absolutely nothing about. So that's just another news day here on the Wretched High podcast. Uh, well, but you know what? All hail Dave Filoni, our savior. He's gonna he's gonna do good and for us. Dave and John, John Favreau, between those two. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're in good hands. We're good hands. Um, and it's a good thing those two are on board because J.J. Abrams, a couple of days after the big announcement of Filoni's uh, promotion, J.J. was in the news saying, yeah, you know what? We probably should have had a plan. Oh, uh, shocker. The they didn't have a plan. Isn't yeah. that what they told us all along is that there was a plan? There was a plan all along. We all were in the same room. We all had this outline together. Oh man, this, just, is, this is Last Jedi set Scott off like a motherfucker. That's what's happening right now. This I, being I reported, think I think JJ said the quiet part out loud there. This being reported <laughs> widely, but I'm um, reading from CNET. Uh, Star Wars JJ Abrams says he's learning. <laughs> he's learned having a plan is quote critical, unquote. Having a plan, I have learned in some cases the hard way is the most critical thing. Yeah. I mean, he didn't learn that lesson from Alias. He didn't learn it from Lost. Why the fuck would he learn it from Star Wars? I mean, let's just 
<laughs> That's true. Uh, in celebrating the 10th anniversary of the nostalgic 70s sci-fi flick Super 8, which is a really fun movie. It it's is. A super cool. it's, that, that is a love letter to all the sci-fi cinema of my childhood, basically. God, yes. It was. Yeah, totally agree. So good. J.J. Abrams faced questions about a different sci-fi movie, one which didn't receive quite the same warm response. Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, the final film in the Star Wars sequel whoa, trilogy. Whoa, whoa, pause. We, I'm going to discredit. Fan. I'm going to discredit this entire article right there because <laughs> yeah. they called Star Wars a sci-fi series. Oh, there you go. It's well played, Nico. Nice, nice job. Yeah, they should have said space fantasy, but whatever. It, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tech uh, review website. What do you want? Uh, criticism was aimed at the creative handoff between directors Abrams and Ryan Johnson, who took on The Last Jedi, the middle chapter. I just, I, I love looking at, I can't help but to look at your face every time I, I say those, I words, those three words together. Uh, quote, you just never really know, but this is such a great quote. I just love that J.J. Abrams said this out loud and someone wrote it down. Quote, you just really never know. I'm sorry. Let me, that's not what he said. Quote, you just never really know, but having a plan I have learned in some cases, the hard way is the most critical thing because otherwise you don't know what you're setting up. Abrams told, told Collider when asked if he thought the trilogy, which he started in 2015 with the force awakens would have benefited from being planned from the onset. You don't know what to emphasize, Abrams said, discussing the question of planning by drawing on his experience in TV writing. A writer on Felicity and Alias, Alias Abrams has recently been working on, oh, I'm not, not going to pronounce that well, uh, Dimamande, a sci-fi drama about a family searching for their missing child. Gesundheit. Be, because if you don't know the, inevit the inevitability of the story, you're just as good as your last sequence or effect or joke or whatever. But if you want to be leading to something inevitable, but you want to be leading to something inevitable. Hmm. So let's, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to pick your brains guys, the fans of the, of the Abrams verses and whatnot, because I know alias was a show that was liked for a long time. Uh, I don't recall if it, I don't think it had quite the fanfare when it ended other than, huh, you know? Um, uh, and then there was Lost, which I know several of you guys are big fans of. Now, Abrams wrote the pilot, I know, and was heavily involved in the first season. Was he as involved in the later seasons or did he just take more on an executive producer role? He, he left. Actually, he's he wasn't that... He was only involved, I think, through the first half of the first season okay and he slowly started to phase out and go on to other projects is that correct steve he was the creator and executive producer i don't know that he would he wrote the show yeah. or maybe he just did the pilot yeah i think uh, he i think i remember reading that somewhere that he wrote the pilot but the rest just executive produced and so it's all like his vision if you will but not really he's not really working as a show runner on that show like he did more on alias Right. He was really yeah. more running he was much more heavily involved with alias. And I think Felicity. Okay. 
Did but he yeah, it, plan for the people in Lost to be dead, or did they just make that up on the spot? I've, hey, hey, spoilers. I have always <laughs> I have always felt like he he gave them like the rough arc of what Lost was. Cause like I know the smoke monster on Lost, everybody knew what that was, where where that was going. That was actually a rite of passage when you joined the writer's room was being finally taken into a private room one-on-one and being told, here's what the smoke monster is. Right. So that you know how to write it and use it going forward. Uh, Alias, I, the pilot for Alias remains one of the best pilots I have ever seen for a television show. Like you cannot watch that first pilot episode and not tell me at the end of it that you are not like, oh my God, what? happens next it's fantastic and the show just kind of goes off of a cliff it's like it decides too early that it's become repetitious and then changes up the whole tenor of the show and what's what it's about and starts prematurely jumping the shark like i feel like they could have kept what they were doing for a while longer and not not disrupted things okay just checking in on this uh loss was created by Jeffrey Lieber, uh, Abrams, and uh, Damon Lindelof, uh, who also share story writing credits for the pilot episode, which Abrams directed. So okay. beyond the pilot, though, JJ and, was not writing or directing. And the pilot was originally supposed to star Michael Keaton. Oh, in, in, in the role of in Jack, is playing Jack. Yeah. And, okay. and Jack was going to be killed at the end of the pilot, but they made a last minute. They were going to Sean Bean him is what they were going to do. Yeah. They made a last minute decision that they weren't going to do that. So it became impossible to cast Michael Keaton because you're not going to get Michael Keaton to play, uh, you know, to play on the regular for a TV show. And that's how they wound up with Matthew Fox. And Matthew Fox think, is great in that. And show. he was great in the role. You're right. But I think he joined the show on literally like 10 days notice. Oh, wow. Okay. Like 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 video Mortensen in Lord of the Rings, just like suddenly he's on a plane and he's flying down there and uh, magic happens. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the reason, I ask, the reason I ask these questions because I know that I know that you guys are big fans of Lost and 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 I don't want to offend you guys, but that's a show that I feel. Um, Why stop not- now, Greg? having not seen it but from the from the stories i've heard from other people is that's a show where it it increasingly as the time went on it increasingly got looked like they were just making it up on the fly as they were going how about if we had them do this kind of stuff and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't and that's why i wonder if they really always knew that they were going to be dead the whole time okay so not only is that yes a, a correct yes to that greg but that's actually what they said at some point I believe Lindelof at some point in an interview said, yeah, we were just making this shit up as we went along. Like mm-hmm. it, it and lost is, I think, looked to as kind of a, 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 a fulcrum point for how these kind of event TV shows are done or these event TV concepts are done in that they, they knew where the story would end, but because it was a network TV show and you always want to stretch it out as long as they can, because the network wants the dollars they were always kind of afraid to get to the ending. They were always kind of looking for ways to postpone things. And that's where somewhere around season four, it starts to get really, really wonky. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, I really feel like lost was a fulcrum point in doing this stuff for TV because you started to see much more of these, Hey, we're going to do contained shows where we have a very 
firm idea of here's how long the story is. And we're going to stick to that and tell our story. And that type of event TV started shifting over to the cable networks as opposed to the, the traditional broadcast network because you have the control and the life to do things like that. And you wind up with your Breaking Bads and your Better Call Sauls and your Mad Men and, and Sopranos and all of that. Yeah. 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 Breaking Bad, just watershed moment in, in great TV. Still just timed perfectly. Every season is great. Every season just builds on what's going on next and ends at the perfect moment. Just uh, I, I, the only thing that's come close to it for me since then is Watchmen and there yes. probably will only be one season of Watchmen ever unless they decide something else. But, but also to, to going, taking us, bringing us back full circle, full circle. Watchmen is a David Lindelof show. Yep. And yeah. I'll, I'll throw something else out that I had forgotten. Vince. Gil- I mean, I knew Vince Gilligan creator breaking bad. He, he cut his teeth on the X-Files yes, he did. back in the nineties. Uh, I forgot Brian Cranston actually had an X-Files episode that was written by Vince Gilligan. Okay. There you go. Well, just just getting back to the the sequels, you know, this uh, I don't want to call it an admission, but it's sort of like I don't know, kind of an awakening, like it almost seems it it almost seems like something a uh, almost like a teenager would say like, Oh yeah, maybe I should have had a plan. (laughs) You've got a a $250 million blockbuster that, that means a lot to a lot of people and you didn't have a plan. I mean, I don't know when I, (laughs) it's kind of shocking in a way to hear him say that. It it, it is. And it, and it isn't though. Right. I mean, didn't, I mean, we all know how Lucas made up a lot of stuff as you went along and Lucas would, and Lucas would say, you know, loosely, Hey, we have this plan and we want to do 12 movies and I just want to let other directors come in and do things. And then maybe I'll come back in the end to tie up all the loose ends and finish it off. Like it, it is shocking to me. And at the same time, it, it isn't, it's like they were trying to go back and do, the wild idea that George had at the outset, which is a wild idea because there's no way it can really work. You can't do a, a large studio project like this and just have it be that writing exercise where I'm going to write a paragraph and then I'm going to hand it to you, Steve, and you write the next paragraph mm-hmm. and you'll hand it to Scott and it'll, and it'll Sylvia can, can, you know, a cohesive story. It just won't. There's no way that can happen. Yeah. Well, in, in argue- that oh, example, ahead. sorry, I'm going to jump yeah. in real quick. In that example, Dave, at least the writers are letting each other read each other's works. The <laughs> sequel trilogy, it feels like they didn't even watch each other's fucking movies. Yeah, that's that's true. That's a great point, Nico. Um, I'm going to add to that. Just, for, uh, you know, here's the thing. What what you said, Dave, I, I agree with, but I also disagree with. And here's here's the disagreeing part. Lucas was a creative element. So whether it was good or bad, he was the creative person behind it. And that person in the sequel trilogy now running that show is Kathleen Kennedy, who's not the creative element there. So you give a bunch of creative directors their own moment and then just tell them to, yeah, all right, thanks. Here's your card. Boom, you're out. That it doesn't work. And, and like I said and argued before, whether it was on the Last Jedi discussions, whether it was Rise of the Sky, Skywalker stuff, is I never felt like they were in the same room 
discussing the same timeline or an outline and it feels that way it looks that way and now with him like basically confessing like you said steve like a teenager yeah they didn't they didn't do it but they and this is where it kind of like really kind of chaps my ass i'm sorry for saying it like that but they were told yes, we were that's told, the moment where people are going to get offended on the yeah. podcast for like <laughs> right. no 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 but we were told that by kathleen kennedy by the powers that be at lucasfilm and disney no 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 we have a plan we had a plan all along no you didn't why would you say that are you so afraid of the fans that just turned on lucas during the prequel that suddenly you have to lie to us just just sit your your talent down and just say look here are three amazing directors okay one we disagreed with we fired we brought in jj again at least get them all on board Make that statement, make that good movie, make that good solid trilogy that connects. You know, it sounds like a good idea on paper to just hand the creative reins over to three very creative people and like let the magic happen. But, uh, you know, it's not like producing a record, right, Greg? You can't just get three musicians in the room and, and watch it, watch it come together. Yeah. Well, even even still, I mean, there's, you know, there's. There's a writing, uh, there's a composing, there's an arranging process, and then there's rehearsal. You kids can't put them in a room and it's just like, oh, shit, this is amazing right off the bat. You know, they got to practice and and get to know each other and get and get the feel. And, you know, it's it's, you know, they can be as creative as they want to be, you know, but unless they're not all in sync, you know, and and on the same page, then it all just kind of falls apart and great, great point. And while, and while I appreciate force awakens and I appreciate the last Jedi and I still, I will still argue the fact that I, I really think last Jedi is a, took a great, the franchise in a great direction. Um, I do not feel the same way about rise of Skywalker. I just, I, I, it's a very meh ho-hum end of the series and really ended it on a down note. Um, uh, you know, they at least tried something, but I, I, I can't disagree that it didn't work. Uh, it, it just didn't. It's, it's not, it's just not that memorable of a series for me. And, and to your point, Craig, you know, look back at how Lucas handled the original trilogy. Fantastic. Here's a guy who directed the first movie, pulled in some talented acquaintances or friends, directed mm-hmm. Empire, directed Return, whether we like Return or not, we'll get to that when we do our, our commentary, but mm-hmm really kind of pulled it all together and ended it solid it's solid enough that we've enjoyed it for long enough to, for us to sit around and do a podcast about it and all of its spawns prequels and sequels and spin-off shows and, and whatnot that's where i think the other thing failed kathleen couldn't hold it together in a creative sense and just let a bunch of kids in a playground do whatever the hell they wanted to do and that just leads to chaos and that's what we got was a chaotic sequel trilogy so could have been much much better that that wasn't helped by the fact that Carrie Fisher died right after last Jedi finished shooting. Fair enough. That's I mean, I mean, it, I, and Greg, what you said about rise of Skywalker. I, I agree. I have lit, I saw that movie once in theaters when it came out with Steve and I have not seen it since I haven't watched it on video on streaming. I just haven't had a desire to. Yeah. That's it, crazy. And that, that's how I, that sums up how I feel about that movie and even grading it on the understandable curve in that he was handed a mess where there was no plan from, from Ryan Johnson, as much as I love the last Jedi, the fact that that was done in isolation and not part of a plan is very, very frustrating. 
So to be given that and then to be given, oh, and, and Carrie Fisher is dead. You know, your your last surviving person of the big three, the actress is dead in real life and you can't use them. It, that that he was not set up for success with that movie going in. Not at all. No. Agree. No. All right. So, Chris, what do you feel? Oh, oh sorry. I agree entirely. <laughs> all right. Good. <laughs> I'm um, glad he's contributing to the show. He got a he got a goddamn jersey out of it. He should actually <laughs> <laughs> <jersey> something. <laughs> you think you should be doing more on the show, Chris? You got to step it up. I agree entirely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What so does do what does Anthony Daniels think about Chris Evans? Uh, oh God damn it! You caught me up. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> You're usually so quick on that, Greg. <laughs> well, it, it's actually a treat for me. I agree oh. entirely. <laughs> oh, uh, cute. All right. Well, we kind of we kind of ended on a down note with Star Wars news. Let's bring it back up. Yeah. To modern Star Wars products, and uh, I, I have to take, you know, I at the end of the last show, the last time we recorded, guys, we talked about the Bad Batch oh, a little bit. Okay. And uh, the, the worst said, sperm donation clinic ever, by the way. The bad. Greg, Greg, Greg. Well, before you get into it, I mean, if you if yes. you talk about our kind of melancholy sadness over what's happening with the film side of things, mm. I think everything looks great with the TV side of things. There's lots of projects I'm really looking forward to. Um, yeah. We've had a hiccup with that Rangers show, but everything else is a fantastic premise. Book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian's already great. I'm super excited about the Cassian Andor show. I'm unbelievably excited for uh, Kenobi and then Ahsoka as well. And Nico also has to pee, I think. No, I already went pee um, earlier. But <laughs> no, I was going to say, um, if we look at all of those, you know, kind of to tie our, our last point together with this, if you look at all of those um, properties that are coming out, the new projects and stuff, none of them are taking place during the sequel trilogy timeline correct and if you look at all these other properties they're happening you know like they're they're, disney and lucasfilm is very clearly staying away from that part of the timeline with all of these side projects which i think is really interesting that's a great point yeah great point nico and and one could argue that there is so much so much more depth and meaning in the original trilogy and even in the prequels um, that that they are able to to pull from. And the Bad Batch certainly is a great example of that. And you know, the last time we recorded, Greg something Greg said something to me, and it kind of stuck with me. And it was a joke. And we you know, and I laughed because it's kind of funny because. Yeah. You know, he said, uh, you know, great if you're a kid, but maybe not if you're a 50 year old man uh, every Saturday watching that show. And um, and because I am a 50 year old man and I watch the show every Saturday. Um, But I want to try to I want to try to turn you around to my side of this, Greg. I think you should be watching The Bad Batch. Tell me, Steve. Every damn week. Don't do it, Greg. Here's why. (laughs) There was an episode. Well, here's why. Because the Bad Batch is doing a great job of bridging to original trilogy lore. Oh, dear God. Hmm. That was Dave, not me. We are getting 
expanded uh, canon about the original trilogy from The Bad Batch. Let me give you some examples. So there was an episode called Rampage. It's episode five of The Bad Batch season one. Steve, Steve, be is, it a, is it about a monkey destroying a building? Well, pretty much. And a lizard. And uh, what's, what's the other thing? Uh, that's a, a great video game. Yeah, that's right. I agree entirely. <laughs> yeah, you guys are shut up, Chris. Now Hold you guys on. are being nasty, D- Dave I, or, or uh, Steve. <laughs> I'm going to be your point counterpoint uh, on this because I noticed some differences of opinion. Actually, not an opinion. There's All some right. fact. I had to fact check you on a couple things on this. Okay. All so right. We're going to go through this. Okay. All right. So, um, all right. So first off, in Rampage, first of all, you're getting you, you get the the bad batch, the 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 four guys now. That are that are make that have made up the bad batch. The four four uh is clones. This, the is rogue clones. Gonna count a spoiler alert. Uh no, it's already aired. Oh yeah. But you know what? Let's just what? What? That is totally Nico's fault. What do you think? Nico's fault? I agree entirely. Yep. Okay, my, ear, right. my ears are bleeding. I can't. So the, bad, <laughs> so the guys in the Bad Batch plus Omega, so the, the crew of five, um, they they set up their their sort of their home base, and it's it's a bar. Uh, and the bar uh, is uh, tended. The bartender is a character named Sid. Yeah. Now Sid, the bartender, the voice actor, very familiar voice for Sid, the bartender. Yeah is a very sounds very familiar and it's the actress Rhea Perlman well oh. <laughs> who played a bartender for many years on the TV show Cheers she played a waitress a waitress sorry but you got to love you got to love the continuity there yeah she's she's tending bar in the Star Wars universe All right and she's a so, bar so Greg Rhea at a bar. Rhea Perlman appears on the Bad Batch. How are we doing on selling you on this so far? Well, well, yeah. geez, if we can only get to George Went and uh, and whatever the, the George Ratzenberger, uh, John Ratzenberger, who was in the Empire Strikes Back. Also By the way, sitting in his bar, then maybe we got a show. Maybe time out, time out. Add one right. more Cheers uh, cast member. That? One more, one more Cheers cast member. We got Woody Harrelson. In the solo oh, that's film, right. yeah, it's a little known fact here, uh, Greg. Uh, actually, I had a bit part in uh, The Empire Strikes Back, you know, so uh, <laughs> it wouldn't be too far off if I made an appearance on the Bad Batch, uh, timeline wise. Quick, quick aside, <laughs> I, I had nothing to do on Sunday, and so I actually put on the original 1978 uh, Richard Donner Superman. Uh, because Great I wanted choice. something, something light and just that I could just have on the TV. And playing a basically a radio operator sitting there reading a screen is a young John Ratzenberger playing basically the same role that he played in Empire Strikes Back. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm I'm there's a light in my brain that's going off. Yeah. With that memory. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's cool. I love it. All right. He, okay. he had a cottage industry of playing radio operators, <laughs> apparently, up until about 1984 when Cheers started. If, if we could just get uh, a Ted Danson on the show and doing like a like he's an ex Bantha ball player or something, and he's going to be at the new Cantina Bar. 
That can we just add more to this? I could see him as like a X-wing pilot or something. There you go. Or something. Let's get the entire Not Cheers cast. That's still alive. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so so Rhea Perlman so far, not selling you on on the show, is what oh, I'm hearing. I'm this far away. You you, right. you put you, you put in there. It's, all I need is a is a is a Ted Danson, and I'm in. See, I'm when, not when you say talking, you're this I'm far away, Potter. <laughs> you say you're this far away, Greg. Is that to scale? <laughs> is this like the map? This distance is actually like a thousand kilometers. <laughs> it, it, it is. It is to scale, but I'm not going to give you the key. That's the problem. Okay. All right. <laughs> a parsec is not a measurement. It's, it's time. It's time. All right. Um, all right. So we also get backstory. Now, this is where you want to. I'm jumping. You want to jump Did on me. Did you see my notes? Side. Yeah, I saw you right now. You bastard. Um, wait, hold on. Where's my you son of a bitch? I need a son of a bitch for uh, for Scott here, Greg. Um, you son of a bitch. There you go. Son of a bitch. Um, so you get some you get backstory on Jabba's Rancor. You want to know where Jabba's Rancor came from? That's just what I wanted to know. I know you've been dying to figure out <laughs> how did Jabba get that Rancor? Are they running out of things to give origin stories to or something like that? Don't worry, Greg. I'm going to help you out on this one. Hey, uh, now, when, now when, they, it, when they announced Jennifer Lawrence as uh, Aunt Beru in a trilogy of films... Oh, for I Star mean, Wars, that's when we know that they have they have officially run out of ideas. Peter now, Dinklage in, is officially now, Salacious Crumb. In the novel. <laughs> oh, we're going to get close to Salacious Crumb in this. We're getting close. Um, in the novels, Sorry, there's cats. a different origin story good. for the Rancor. Is that where you're going with this? I am. Yeah, but those novels aren't canon. I thought it was Aftermath. Oh, is it? Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's the sort of thing that the new uh, uh, creative genius, Dave Filoni, should have caught, don't you think? <laughs> I think so. I agree yeah. entirely. <laughs> All right. So uh, the the Rancor in the episode called Rampage is called Moochie, and it's he's a trained little teenage Rancor. Super cute. Uh, Do you know why they named him Moochie? Do you know why they named him Moochie? Why? Because Itchy and Lumpy were taken. There you go. <laughs> that was at the room shot ready for right there. I agree entirely. Uh, and of, of, so this is something like, you know, the, the disturbing thing is like, Omega, cute little Omega is riding this Rancor around and yeah. like it's his, her little pet at the sure, end. Yeah. And you're thinking like Luke is going to crush and just, you know, murder that thing in like 30 years. Except he doesn't. So do I have to go down this road? Go. Okay. So Luke doesn't. Luke does not kill this Rancor. The other, the Rancor that is owned by Malakili, the Rancor keeper, right. the one that cries, is actually named Patissa. Really? It's not Moochie. Okay. So, by the way, they should have they, also, Greg. The other name taken was Stinky, right? Wasn't that uh, Jabba's yeah. Jabba's kid? Yeah, I agree yeah. entirely. All right, fine. All right, <laughs> don't confuse me with facts. Okay, so so we don't know what happened happens with that moochie then not yet so stories if, untold yet. Okay. if you're afraid of that rancor would you be scaramucci <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, nico wow somebody woke up nico <laughs> what the hell? just end the show on that <laughs> oh, you have some of you need to make on the show because that was a complete dad joke though that's all i'm saying <laughs> yeah <laughs> solid 
That's a solid bad joke. I agree entirely. He does. Um, all right. The episode also takes place. This was huge on yes. Ord Mantell, which is the planet Ord Mantell, which is like loosely referenced by Han and in, in the Empire Strikes Back. He says, oh, I ran into a bounty hunter on Ord Mantell. Yeah. So that was a great callback. Love that. Um, in the latest episode, uh, I don't think, uh, I think this is Fennec Shand uh, appears in the episode after Rampage in episode six, but Fennec Shand, yes, that Fennec Shand from The Mandalorian. Yeah, voiced, yeah. voiced in the show by Ming-Na Wen. I did hear that she reprised yes. her character on The Bad Batch, yep. Yep, she's and, on and the show. in that episode does pull off a very similar move to one of her moves on that, that great episode of The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian I yep. love that. The, uh, the back, backwards leaping kind of move? Something like that, yeah. Uh, which, <laughs> which, how it ends up when you would land flat on your back after shooting, I don't know <laughs> how, how that... <laughs> obviously you're not a fan of every john woo film out there that's all i'm saying uh also in episode six we we get uh trace and rafa martez the martez sisters nobody likes the martez sisters i like them yeah they're uh they're ahsoka's uh friends they're back from the clone wars at the very end of the episode they we get a little glimpse of their transmission they've 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 achieved the um the goal of the episode they have the macguffin and they go onto the holonet and they they reach out to a uh their whoever they're working for we don't see the face but we see this robed figure yeah is it ahsoka is it obi-wan is it bail organa we don't know but it's someone with the rebels you left one very important character off that that guessing list right oh. there darth maul yeah, I saw that out there too. Could have been. Uh, it could be working for the dark side. Yeah, that's true. What? What the, about? Crimson the dark side. Sorry, it would be um, the bounty Crimson hunter. Don. He, he runs Crimson the, Dawn. Yes, Crimson Dawn. Thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you. Sorry, Nico. What, what about the guy from um, Rogue One? Um, saw Saw Guerrera. Oh yeah, that's we see him on my too. List. Yeah, we see Saw Guerrera. Most importantly, on this show, you see freaking Bib Fortuna. Yeah. Yeah. Him, the man himself. If you're not watching, yeah, is he fat? Is he fat bib for tuna or skinny bib for tuna? He's no, a he's, young, skinny bib for tuna. Young, slender bib for tuna. Yeah. If you're not watching the Bad Batch, you are missing expanded canon of the original trilogy. Don't give me that so-so uh, fancy so, pants there, Potter. Yeah. So, oh. <laughs> Don't give me that either. I only watched the last few episodes to wrap up the clone wars and i did really enjoy it um and and there were a couple things that were the story was good um i i enjoyed the story i wasn't really involved with all the characters and knew everything that was going on but i knew enough to pick up on it and and could follow along and understood what was happening um obviously got the references tying it in with revenge of the sith so that helped me get into it a little bit more I really appreciated, and what I talk about when I tell people that they should watch it, I really appreciated like the final fight between Darth Maul, that that was, you know, motion captured and animated. So it's, it's a really unique animation style, you know, of something that was actors actually performing on a set and it, and it looks like it and it's cool and it's unique and it was innovative i felt you know almost it it was retro but innovative you know it was it was something old school that they made new school 
And I really appreciated all that. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, this, unless they can do something like that to really draw me in, it's going to have to, it's just like the Clone Wars, the rest of the Clone Wars series. There's all this cool stuff, but it's, you know, it's just some, something is missing from me, the casual Star Wars fan. Well, have you, have you watched any of the episodes yet, Greg? Of the of, new one? Of the Bad Batch. Yeah, I watched the first because they dropped the first two immediately, right? Yeah. Yeah. I watched both of those and I haven't gone back since. I, I, okay. I understand that the first couple of episodes uh, didn't have as much connection to the original trilogy as the last couple have had. With the, with the exception of Tarkin and yeah. the Camino stuff with the clones. Well, that's true. Here's the catch, though. I, I, if you had not seen those, I still would suggest it to you, because if you do watch past that and continue on that story, it's not as similar to the Clone Wars. It's actually showing you kind of what happens as these uh, I, I'm just going to call them special clones because there's a reason why they're not switching over like all the clones Order 66. In fact, showing that re reimagining of Order 66 from the Clone Wars point of view, cool. that was cool too. But that. to see how it takes off from there with these clones that were not affected by the Order, that's what's more fascinating to me in this one. Right. So, and, and to tell somebody who didn't really see or even care for not saying you are Greg, but someone who hasn't seen the clone wars or really cared about the clone wars. If you saw that last season where you did get to see the episode with the bad batch, and then you saw the Ahsoka and the Darth Maul fight, it is easily watched. You don't have to have a lot of backstory. You, there are things that are referenced, but not a lot. And that's what I find fascinating because it's moving forward and showing you kind of that time period of, this kind of vagueness in between the clone wars actual story, the order 66 moment, and then a new hope and, and beyond. Yeah. So I, I yeah. like how that's playing out in this. Well, well the, the episodes are short. Um, so I, I, you know, I can pick it back up, but it's, you know, it, it's, it's, I, I'm not motivated to do it quickly. I, I'm kind of in Dave's boat. I'll, you know, give it a wave. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll agree on one sense. It's not as fantastic as the Ahsoka Darth Maul. Uh, what was it? Two, three episode. Arc. Yeah, no, it's not. It's yeah. not to that level yet, but there are connections and it is worth. I think it's worth your time. You got 22 minutes on a Saturday morning. Check it out. Yeah, it's 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 worth it. It is. I think it's worth it. I can right. watch it while I'm taking a shit. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, you can watch two episodes yeah. for the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely. Um, <laughs> all right, guys. Bad batch. We are, we are, we are going to skip down. Uh, we're running long and we still have a big, big topic to cover guys. And that is season one, episode one, our first review of Disney Plus's new show, Loki, which Ooh. debuted, dropped on a Wednesday, June 9th today, as we record. Yeah. The wretched coincidentally this today week. coincidentally today uh we are we are we've debated on how to do this we really wanted to do a separate review show for loki because we had so much fun with the saturday review shows for wandavision uh and falcon and the winter soldier hey hey steve why don't uh based on what we decided on this why don't we just tell people not that i recommend this because i definitely recommend watching or listening to this entire show yeah but we could at least give them the timestamp on the shows where we're going to record the Loki reviews. 
Huh. Right. So they can just jump right to it. I can create a chapter in the podcast. Perfect. That's a great idea. Yeah. yeah so we'll chapterize this. Um, but I don't recommend that you should listen to the entire show. That's I was going to say, thank God people are hearing that now as they're already an hour and a half into the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I can do, I figured out how to do chapters so you can just jump right to, right to that. Okay. So that's Sounds a good, good. idea, Scott. Yeah. Um, all right. So guys, let's get into this again. New Disney Plus series, season one, episode one of Loki, dropped today, Wednesday, June 9th, 2021. Um, overarching thoughts before we get into the plot of the show. Let's just run down from top to bottom on my screen. Nico, what did you think of Loki season one, episode one? Um, it was it was entertaining. It was a lot of fun to watch, uh, I thought. Um it's a it's a cool view on some of the stuff. I will say, as of now, it's not really like pushing the Marvel universe forward. Uh, okay. okay. I mean, I don't know. That's not it, fair. But not fair. <laughs> All right, Scott. Do you agree? Thank you, with, Scott. Do you agree with uh, hey, hey, hey. assessment? First of all, Nico, that was Dave. I, I, to be, let's all be there. That I was stand it. by what I said. I know. Uh, <laughs> high, high level, high level review. Thirty seconds or less. What do you think of episode one? I enjoyed the hell out of it, and Tom Hiddleston is fucking fabulous. That's yeah, definitely. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, and it, it might have had a little bit of a slow feeling to it, but I like it. It was it's a slow burn, and I really enjoyed. His performance always as Loki is fantastic. So I'm going to enjoy this show. All right, Greg, 30 second review. What'd you think? Episode one. Uh, my favorite Marvel TV show so far. Didn't really have an idea what it was going to be about from the trailers. Got more information from Dave than I did from the trailers. Uh, but from what I've seen so far, I thought it was a solid B plus and I thought it was uh, great. I don't think it's moving the, like the Marvel universe forward like Nico says, but I think it's moving characters forward, uh, which is what they should be doing. All right, Dave, what do you think of the show? I think this is laying the foundation for what phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is going to give us when we actually get to the films, the meat of the films, you know, at the end of this year with Spider-Man Far From Home. It's laying out the foundation for what a multiverse is and why that's a problem. Yeah, okay. I, uh, everything I see in Marvel at this point is new. I don't understand the contextual importance of any of it. Um, and I loved it. I loved the episode. I was totally entranced by it. I got it right away. Um, I, I, there's so much about it that I, I really enjoyed that. I, I can't wait to get into the finer points of it and learn more from you guys, which is, um, why I like to do this. Cause I learned from you guys. And so I hope our <laughs> listeners will too. Um, so right off the bat, the opening sequence, um, where they flash back to the film, um, of and Loki, it, Loki stealing they, the Tesseract. Yes, and, they, they, they flash back to Endgame, which is technically a flashback to the Avengers, in 2012 yeah right yeah right so so my first thought and and i I promise you this was my first thought i went i thought holy shit they've got 19 movies that they can pull clips from now 
like like the first thing they just pulled this clip from Endgame to just to show what what Loki did, you know, to start the premise for the show. And I'm thinking, my God, they they've got all of those movies that they can potentially pull from. Oh yeah, I mean, Loki wasn't in all of them, but. My, my first thought was, really, you just shot that cheesy close up of Loki waving in the elevator to insert into that whole sequence that you lifted straight from Endgame. That just seemed like a waste of, of time and energy to me. <laughs> well, I just thought, wow, this this could be exciting. Yeah. And then and then the next shot is this bug in the desert. And I thought to ask you guys, is there any significance? To that? <laughs> um, I, I did watch another another. Uh, I video. take no. I take no. Nothing, no. no. Nothing. Nothing about the bug. But I just want to point something out since we're right at the beginning here because I did watch another effort, another video about this, about this first episode, and I and I thought this was a good take. So the first scene is is Loki flying out into the desert, very reminiscent of Tony Stark's descent from the desert when he escapes the cave. You know, at the beginning of the first Iron Man movie. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's representing and it's flashing back to both two characters that were on the wrong path that are about to take a major turn in their lives. And I thought that was very interesting how they're calling back to the very beginnings of the Marvel Universe, the MCU, and putting it here in Loki. And I thought that was an interesting take. And there it is. Just And it's it's, it's almost in the exact same pose that, that Tony Stark's in in the desert yeah. where Loki ends up. It's very similar. It's funny. It, that's actually something I thought about. I'm like, wow, this kind of looks like the Iron Man shot. And then when it shows the close up of him hitting like in the in the sand, I was like, oh, my God, that's the same pose. Like he's getting up in that same position. I'm like, hmm, this this is going to be interesting to see where they're taking him because they're they, sorry, Scott, go ahead. Finish. No, no. I, well, we will get to it because there is a part where he has. I, I got I hate saying a change of heart, but a moment of reckoning or reasoning in moment this of clarity moment of clarity that happens well, in this uh, moment of we'll clarity yeah so i i just want to throw out there's a there is another i think deliberate minor callback right after that it's in the dialogue where he jumps up on the rock and starts talking to the natives you know i am loki of asgard and i am burdened with glorious purpose that actually is a line that he says in the first avengers movie from 2012 Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Wow. And, and I want to I had to keep reminding myself of this because, Steve, you made the comment. They have 19 films to pull clips of. That is true. But this Loki has only been in three of them. That's true. Because wow. he branched true. off of the Avengers. So yep. everything that happened post Avengers, this Loki has not been through, not experienced. There is no no character growth or anything. He is starting from the God of mischief and evil in 2012 hmm. and that is the moment of clarity that i loved because remembering that there's the moment where he d is seen we'll get to all of this in here later but he's seen the flashbacks mm -hmm. presented to him on that hologram tv which, and he does get to see his own death yeah which which for him are flash forwards that is flash his forward. future he has not experienced that yet because he does say at some point what is this a joke or you're just messing with me yeah and it's not it's those are things and that he thinks it's an elaborate yeah. scheme. Yeah. And Scott, yeah. remind me, there is an Easter egg at the end of that sequence. So when we're talking about it, if I forget, there is an Easter egg at the end of that sequence. And I want to see if you caught it. Okay. Greg two. All right. So in short order, we're introduced to the Time Variance Authority, the TVA. The, the big space lizards. So so is this <laughs> is the TVA was the TVA invented for the show or was that no. pulled from the comics? That is pulled straight from the comics. Straight from the comics. Okay. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, I, I had expressed to Dave, you know, after we had seen the uh, after we had watched the first trailer for this Loki show that I didn't know who the TVA was. And he was kind enough to explain it to me uh, quickly. But in doing a little research, I've discovered I have actually the comic book where the TVA first appears. So, <laughs> yeah. wow. Exactly right. Absolutely none at all. And the character Mobius E. Mobius is a real character also, right? Is that? I have that first appearance also. Yes, yep. I do. That is, that is a character. <laughs> and the Owen, Owen Wilson is made up to look like the, the drone from the original Time Variance Authority appearance yeah. in the mm -hmm. comics. And that drone was based off of Mark Grunewald, who was the real-life executive editor of Marvel Comics at the time and was in charge of continuity and keeping things on the right track it was an in-house joke that walt simonson did yeah i think that's fantastic that's i love it. that's such an inside joke inside a joke so so what's great about when when they when they bring him in to to the to the tva headquarters i guess and there's um, a scroll standing at the desk when they bring him in the first time okay oh well if you if you haven't seen the show why are you listening to this? First of all, go see the show first. Yeah. But if you haven't seen the show, if you've ever been into a county building or a courthouse <laughs> yeah, um, or the DMV, it, this place is like the courthouse or the DMV from hell. <laughs> it's like it just it, it, that's what it reminded me of. Like I've been in so many county buildings because I work for the county. It just reminded me of like, you know, especially that uh, I cracked me up at the end of his journey in the courthouse. He's got to walk through the lines. They're empty, but he can't just go straight through. So you have to walk. You've got to follow the rules no matter what. The roped off. Yes, the it's roped off. And he's got to walk <laughs> through and he's yelling. And the other guy loses his ticket. I don't know my ticket. And he gets zapped by the. Yeah, the that's that's my absolute favorite Jeez. moment in the thing. When Loki just starts fumbling around. Oh, Jesus Christ. Where's my ticket? <laughs> and it just holds up. He's, he's the, what is he? The, what does he proclaim himself as the God of mischief? Yeah. yeah. He, he, you know, he's I got my ticket. <laughs> and so it, it, it drove home there. for me how so much of this government bureaucracy, you yeah. know, layout for everything. It's designed to just put you in a subservient position throughout, just to get you in that that mental headspace where you're you're not in authority. Everybody yeah. in that building is in authority, and you are not in that building. There, there's a reason it, very, very much in the Indiana Jones reference in that too, where, where you know, oh right, yes. Last Crusade, where Indiana Jones poses as the ticket taker and throws the Nazi off the train, and then everybody is producing their tickets as well. So, right. <laughs> Indy goes, he didn't have his ticket. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, that's a good, that's a good call, Greg. Uh, Great call, um, Greg. Yeah. Um, so you know, he's making his way through. Uh, the the i guess the tva headquarters uh there's so many great little bits um the the machine that cuts off his fine asgardian leather clothes um <laughs> just, just completely humiliates him and hey um, tom hiddleston is ripped guys i mean he is yeah he looks pretty damn good by the way that that machine the robot that's burning off his clothes yes. totally reminded me of the old bob robot from oh, yeah. black um the black hole it's just, it's this beat up, just crappy four looking. arms and it's got this like <laughs> 80s digitized it's just, smiley face. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's the other thing. Before I forget, I didn't make a note about it, but this, the soundtrack is very like 70s, 80s, yeah. low def. So you're um, going to move on to, I love we, it. we got a ton of things to talk about, but I have to go back to one thing. Yes. This does remind me of any government 
facility, any government building, DMV, courthouse, you name it. Yeah. But I also had an appreciation for the architecture at the same time because I think they're filming this at a famous hotel in Atlanta. Mm. And that first room they walk into with that geometrical kind of orangish, reddish glowing thing behind them. That's a real mural in Atlanta. And it's oh, wow. freaking amazing. So I'm just like, damn, that's awesome. And then you're also like, God, I feel like my life and my soul are being sucked away. Scott, Scott, <laughs> am I right or wrong that Mrs. Avansky would, would appreciate the architecture featured in this episode? She okay. would, but she gave up on all these shows. I know, but I'm just back. saying. I'm yeah. just saying, in the alternate <laughs> yeah. reality where she watches the shows with you every week, she would. she's grooving on the architecture, right? Dave, I was tempted to tell her, then I'm like, no. Alternate it's going to... You know, <laughs> but see, that, that's the thing, is she gets sucked in by certain things that, like, it, like, it, it, like Guardians of the Galaxy sucked her in, I think, mostly because of the soundtrack, but yep. it's those things that cause that create the nostalgia for her and maybe some of the of the of the you know i'm gonna call it mid-century modern because there's a lot of 60s influence in this show yes. oh, maybe yeah. i'll bring her back in yeah i could it could in I, fact um, i think i think it's the room with the roped off line that you have to yeah. walk through even though there's no one in line in front oh. of you. the lights the oval the light in the fluorescent lighting yeah and the, the, the like checkerboard it's like a checkerboard staggered pattern with the light cantilever like flip vents Super and all this cool. it is but it's it. But it represents what we see in like a normal DMV or a, a oh yeah a courthouse yeah exactly I, I thought it's of just, Long Beach honestly I was yeah. like the old, the old one yes not the new the, not, the new one's like super modern but yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, then he gets to the desk and please ver please sign this and verify everything that you've ever said <laughs> what? amazing says, what and the other print the next page comes out what <laughs> so that, that guy's facial expression never changes the whole time. Yeah. is just Great. so strong and perfect for that. And then I love just how Loki, after like the second or third time, he just like F it and just signs the piece of paper. doesn't even bother to read everything. Yeah. Right. But on, um, I'm told that on his processing paperwork, I think we skipped over that, that there's a ton of Easter eggs on Loki's processing paperwork with the TVA if you freeze frame and look at it. Oh, man. Oh, okay. Who's got that kind of time? <laughs> Apparently <laughs> a lot of people on the internet because it's already up. <laughs> Well, and, and, you know, I was there's the beauty of these Marvel shows is everything is intentional. Right. So even like when they were in the elevator, I did another thing I didn't make a note about, but I recalled um, extemporaneously here when you're they're in the elevator and all the buttons there. It's not one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They're all codes. Yeah. Right. They're all numerical and and alphanumeric codes. And yeah. I'm thinking my guys will know what some of those are. We, we I've been trying to figure it out. Okay. I, I don't know. Uh, but I do, I, I wanted to ask Dave this and Dave, you mentioned about the, the Easter egg, but I don't know if we're to that point yet, but that little, okay. The other, there's a Jurassic park reference in this so far to where we're at, because before he gets to the judge, there is a, a little video that Loki has to watch that explains the entire process of the TVA. This was my favorite part of the entire show. Was that not Mr. DNA from oh, Jurassic park? 100%. Absolutely. It, 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 it absolutely was. Okay. And it's it's a bit of a callback to how the ancient one explains a branching timeline to yeah. uh, Dr. Banner in Endgame. Yeah. And uh, the fact that the and that education video has a couple good things in it. It talks about a Nexus event. Yes. Yeah. I caught and that. I Nexus did. was, of course, the unexplained commercial in WandaVision. That's right. Yeah. So that there's a potential tie in there that kind of caught my eye. 
And in the animation that they did, I would swear to God, it looked like the Kree fighting the Nova Corps at one point. Oh, wow. Well, and I love I love the the exposition. Um, I, I called it the exposition explainer, you know, the video. Yeah, it's just it's just there so that you're you, you know, to set the foundation. Get you caught up. Right. Uh, I, but, I was and to just again, to just for the style of the show, the fact that they called back to all of a lot of the 60s era you know, Disney cartoons that were all of like the goofy, you know, explains football and all that stuff. There's a lot of 40s, 50s oh, yeah. cartoons that Disney put out. But more so than that, the the 70s era cartoons, and I think they were really trying to homage uh, Marvel cartoons, but they really look like a lot of the old Super Friends cartoons from the 70s is what they look Ooh, like. Yeah, yeah that's that's so spot on. That didn't occur to me, but that is bullseye yeah. mr lynch yeah well there's a line in the explainer video that i wrote down because i thought it was so funny i i i had to stop and 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 play it again it's uh they're explaining how someone can get off the master timeline and it shows a guy just kind of wanders off the master timeline and, and the narrator goes maybe you started an uprising or maybe you were just late for work in <laughs> the uprising they show like this battle with this you know, like interstellar you know carnage or maybe and then maybe you're just late for work and he's just you know clocking in sorry you know this is funny as hell man it's so the writing just so spot on for this first episode yeah really great and, and and the writer the head writer of loki is the writer for doctor strange in the madness of the multiverse that's why i'm saying this is oh. this is a foundational yeah series sure. i think for what's going to happen so Dave, real quick, one last thing to your Nexus thing. I think they actually call it um, a Nexus event. Mm-hmm. Does he actually say event in there? Because that I think was also referenced in that Wanda com- commercial, right? Something I, to that effect. I think they call. I think they do call it a Nexus event. I've only had a chance to watch it once, so okay. and I didn't take notes, unlike Mister Baldwin apparently. <laughs> but yeah, it, it it just caught my eye because it's like the Nexus commercial was unexplained. We all thought that was a reference to, to Wanda's time in the comics as a Nexus being, but yeah, maybe it's talking about how Wanda's going to cause a Nexus event with her searching for Billy and Tommy that leads to, you know, the Doctor Strange movie. But I, I want to make one point. If you wrote this down here, I didn't see it, uh, but I'm going to just make one point because we're almost to the point where Loki has this interaction with the judge. Right. She says something in there that's amazing to me. And she said, he's like, he starts to blame the Avengers for all mm, the problems. Right. Because we've only seen Loki, like Dave said, up to three movies at this point. Mm-hmm. Everything else is in Loki that we haven't seen or we've seen he hasn't. And she says, no, no, no. Everything <laughs> the Avengers did was meant to happen. That's a fascinating thing to me. Like, we don't know why their time traveling was okay, but nobody else's is. Mm-hmm. Well, so I'm sure it, it, that jumped out at me too, Scott, because it, it was reminiscent of the Dr. Strange bit where he says, I viewed, you know, 17 million timelines. We only one in one. Yeah. Right. That one is the sacred timekeeper timeline. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. So, so Loki, is in, in appearing in front of the judge now he's getting ready to be sentenced and she calls him something that was surprised me she uses Lowfie. the loki lauverson laufie son La, what is what is that what is lauverson that's, that's his last loki, name loki yeah loki is the son of laufie the, the frost, frost giant. 
So like Thor is Thor Odin's son. He's the son okay. of Odin. Ah. Loki is Loki Laufey's son, the son yeah. of Laufey. Ah. And, 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 and Agent Coulson is the son of Cole. <laughs> Steve, have you never realized that names like that, that's what they mean? Like Johnson is the son of John? No, but you know what I just realized? That like my theater down here is the Long Beach 16. Yeah. That means there's 16 <laughs> screens <laughs> in that theater. <laughs> oh, Sorry. Damn. Back. At back least I wasn't. Let's go. At least I wasn't 50 something when I learned that one. Oh, <laughs> damn. Wait, hold on. There we go. All right. Episode 200. Oh. It's getting hot, man. <laughs> it's getting hot. <laughs> that, that was a funny moment. That, um, was, that was good. That, that could not have been a more magic moment for me personally. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you listened to that, but that entire exchange. Was just, oh, my God. Everybody was just I agree entirely. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. I, I could not agree more. Uh, after the sentencing, uh, Loki is essentially pulled out of his um, his sentence to death by Agent Mobius, right? Played by Owen Wilson. And they're making their way through the hallway and they, they go into this time theater. It's called the time theater on the on the outside of it. And I was like, ooh, this, this is going to be cool. What's yeah. going to happen in here? And um, this part, I, I, as you can see, Scott, I didn't write a lot down because yeah. there's just the, the conversation that ensues. Great is incredible i i i rip on owen wilson but he's been in a lot of great films oh, he's so great in he, this. he's he is fantastic in this yeah. moment this dialogue sequence that actually goes way beyond this scene because what they're talking about doesn't actually get concluded until much later right so i really appreciate it plus i'm going to back up real quick the time theater i love all of the so the building's old we've talked about that the equipment that he uses is like an old 16 millimeter like film thing with some modern gadgets attached to it, which I loved. I'm like, this is fantastic. Yeah. Right. I was digging this so much, but their conversation centers around what does Loki want? Yeah. What do you want? And he wants to be King. What do you want to be King of? I want to be King of the earth. Why do you want to be King of the earth? What are you going to do once you're King of the earth? And he's drilling down into sort of Loki's psychology. Yeah. And it's really interesting the way that that rolled out in the conversation that was had there. Um, that's what's so compelling about Marvel characters and, and uh, is that they all, they're all sort of people too. They have wants and, and they have weaknesses just like we do. So, so not everybody's mom in the Marvel universe is named Martha. That's, I just, is that the problem? <laughs> I mean, the, the better part. You, you, you skipped. You skipped over it, but I want to. I want to actually. Yeah. I do want to jump back real quick because something happens Dylan, in here Dylan. that is actually a a a very common comic book trope that kind of bugs me. But I do. I do got to point it out because there's a purpose behind them. Behind them doing it is as he's being processed, he goes to that one guy and he looks inside the desk and there is a drawer full of Infinity Stones. Yeah, and hold on, we're not there that's, yet. That's a little later. Oh, is that okay. later on in the show? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Then we'll come back to it. Then we'll come. I'm sorry. I thought that was earlier in the show. Again, I've only seen it once, uh, but that was a scene that stuck out for me only because yeah. when they do this in comic books, it bugs me. So okay. yeah, well, so I'll, wait, I'll wait for us to get there. Well, there's What's a fish. Moment, there's a moment when they're, they're having their conversation about what Loki wants and it gets pretty intense and they're interrupted 
uh, and um, Agent Mobius needs to walk out of the room. Well, let me. Or do we want to go away from that conversation yet, or are you not done? But does does the flashback sequence sequences happen before this moment? Does he get to yes. see the scenes after mm, he leaves yeah. with the tesseract? And yeah, because there's that's well, the, I think well, the Mo- Mobius point. Mobius is showing him some stuff, and then stuff happens, and then he comes back, and then he's watching things on his own. And that's and so yeah. there's there but, are two flashback scenes. And the, there, the, there is an Easter egg that we jumped over, and I'm sorry. I, yeah. I, I only saw it once, so it's hard for me to keep pace with it. I only realized sometimes after. Let's but when when okay. Mobius is giving the tour and they look out over the city, there is a building that has the inscription T282 on it. And the timekeepers first appeared in Thor 282. Mm. Ah, nice. Nice. Yeah, that is great. Good pull. That's great. Um, yeah, so that's right. So the conversation gets heated and Loki thinks he knows what he wants. They're pushed, you know, and it, Mobius is pushing back and he's like, okay, well, this is what happens if you. Right. That's what I was getting to. Right. He, before the, the interruption, he yeah. shows him the clip that he never sees because of the character he is. Right. Which is his mother. Right. And what happens by telling his mother some information, he actually sends her to her death. And basically, he, Mobius is saying, you're not you were well, not born to be king. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it's it's not what he tells his mother. It's what he tells the, the invading hordes in Thor Dark World that that break into the prison and go by Loki's cell. And he says, you might want to take the stairs to the left. Yeah. That that'll lead him to Thor. But it actually leads him to Frigia, his mother, Rene Russo. And then she's killed. Yeah. Right. So he causes the death of his of his own mother. Um, all right. So Mobius leaves Loki alone in the room for a minute. Just just for 30 seconds, goes outside. And of course, you know, right when he leaves the room going, don't leave him alone. You know, <laughs> come on. What are you doing? <laughs> He's the God of mischief. He's the God of mischief, for God's sake. <laughs> right. So Owen Wilson's character comes back in the room. Of course, Loki's gone. Yeah. And he's taken the little, there's a little um, time turner. I don't know what you want to call it. A little device that Owen Wilson can control or Mobius can control Loki with, the, uh, with, the with little, this little time turner thing. He's got the little neck leash on, like a little restraining bolt. Yes. And it keeps yeah. putting him back into the position. I love that he says what's happening and we should all understand when they're in the elevator, time works differently yeah here. time works differently here right I so at one that. point loki tries to attack him and he just not rewinds loki's time he just puts him right go back. back to where you were yeah. yeah so at this point loki is now jumping around the facility and he ends up at the paperwork clerk's desk this is what you're thinking of greg mm-hmm. uh, and he's demanding he says give me the tesseract or I'll, I'll gut you like a fish and the guy says What's a fish? Which, you know, like so <laughs> fantastic, such great writing in that moment. I so, love so, that. It's, so it's really clear, like though, th- like this is not Earth. Like that guy does not know what a fish is. True, but he doesn't know what. Not just because it's not Earth, but he his whole life right has like, been is in that he office. Even human, like we, <laughs> right? What is where? I'm still not clear as a fan, as a new fan to this whole story what the TVA is, where is this? I don't get it at this point. I don't I, really care, but it's like, it's not clearly, it's not earth. This I, is not earthbound. For me, I don't want to say any more about it because they might explain more about yeah, it as the yeah. show goes on. Right. And so he gets the Tesseract from the, um, from the paper junk from the junk drawer. 
Right. <laughs> like to get to where Greg's going with it. Like it, it's a junk drawer where he's just throwing all the infinity right. stones like, that cross his path. Right. You got highlighters <laughs> and, 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 you know, rulers and scissors and, and infinity stones. <laughs> well, and, 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 and leading to Dave's point about, um, uh, uh, hidden Easter eggs, there's a $5,000 poker chip that's in there. And there are, <laughs> yeah. are a couple of other items of note. um, uh, that they reference earlier on in the episode when somebody, some yay who has decided to travel back in time and make himself rich. So all of the trinkets that people steal on their little time heist capers when they get caught by the TVA end up going into this little drawer here is what they end up. <laughs> end up now, going. if they had, if they had really been cool, they would have had a sports almanac of events from 1950. So, but there were more than five, infinity stones in there right because there's more than one timeline that's right yeah so several people went back and stole like the time turner stone for example yeah right because there were like many green ones in there so So you can you can build about 15 infinity gauntlets just by you know collecting the paperweights of the time variance authority yeah so (laughs) so what, what this what this shows by them having just infinity stones lying around is that the realm they're in the realm where the tva resides is actually more powerful than what is contained inside of the infinity stones the infinity stones hold no power in this realm where the tva lies and so they're and this is the trope of comic books that really bugs me is you get the ultimate weapon in the universe then you defeat the ultimate weapon then you have to prove that the last ultimate weapon was actually meaningless and this new ultimate weapon is really the ultimate ultimate weapon and you're constantly one-upping these devices that you were called the ultimate weapon in the universe and it just kind of bugs because it you know you're basically nullifying everything that was important in endgame now the 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 infinity stones are all meaningless they never meant anything here's the new big MacGuffin. It's the multiverse now. Yeah. Like Dave was saying, that's what they're leading to. And it just, and it just does. If At any point, of our... you're constantly taking blue pills to get to the new welcome to the real world. This is what it, exactly. this is what it really is. Yeah. Exactly. And if any of our listeners, which I don't know who would, but if any of our listeners have ever watched any of the Dragon Ball or Dragon Ball Z series, you know exactly what's happening. They're going Super Saiyan, and then they have to beat the strongest person and then they have to go super saiyan 2 and beat this next strongest person and yeah. over and over and over again you always have side, to one up yourself can i sidebar for a second uh nico would you go see a dragon ball z movie directed by Zack snyder no okay <laughs> thanks sir <laughs> no all right so so once so the, the the significance for me of loki seeing those stones was that once he sees that the stones hold no power he for he in his mind he he understands that whoa this this place is real now he it, i i feel like it was a sort of an awakening for him like wow this is this place holds a lot of power it, and mm-hmm. yeah and also remember where that character is in his development he was in the avengers movie he was working with thanos to try and recover infinity stones to gather them for thanos so he's yeah. in the mindset of this is the ultimate thing got to get got to have it got you know got to get all the pokemons and mm-hmm. yeah here we are right and and to add on to greg's thing i understand what you're saying i actually agree with what you're saying but what i don't and this might come back to bite me is whether it's a bigger or more powerful weapon i don't want to say that right away 
with what this is, with what the TV, where the TVA is, what, what it is. Mm. Um, again, that should be something explained hopefully in the show, or at least at the, the starting or the jumping off point into the multiverse. So, uh, okay. but yeah, but it is interesting that we saw that we saw the explanation that Mobius is giving him about himself and kind of, he's kind of getting a little bit of a reality dose where he doesn't have to go through his whole life. Now he's now stuck in this place and now given this opportunity, I'm, I'm really fascinated how they're doing this show. Yeah. It's and the characters are so good and the acting is so great. I think I remember Dave saying, you know, you can, you can listen to Tom Hiddleston, read the phone book and it's, it's interesting. Yeah. And I mean, you know, given a great script, it's, uh, there's this show holds a lot of promise. Yeah. Um, certainly. So um, at that, at this point, um, Loki, uses the time turner to evade his chasers. Once again, he jumps back to the time theater, watches the film of his mother's death once again, and then watches the tape reel of his life. end. yeah. And he realizes that, Oh, as, as, as he's being choked out, I'm sorry, by um, Thanos. This, this is a great moment. I didn't know if Dave was going to jump in on this, but so not only I, I kind of had a feeling going into the show, I, I had an, an idea whether I, I saw some spoiler videos or possible spoiler videos, mm. just understanding, know, knowing what the TVA was and where they might take this where, and, sh- and seeing the trailers, I had a feeling there was going to be a moment where Loki gets to see his own death. Mm. But what I, I thought was the added emphasis to that was when you actually see the old fashioned equipment running out like the old meter film film and you see the white tape coming on the leader tape and it just says end of file. Yeah. And I and, really, yeah. And that white leader tape was marked with the, the file information, which was yeah. earth six, one, six. Yes. Oh, thank you, Dave. Yes. Which, which was is mentioned. in the Marvel comics. That is the, that is the Marvel universe earth in the multiverse is earth six, one, six. And there That's are, right all these other earths that are alternate realities and earth 616 was originally coined by Alan Moore. And was also mentioned in Spider-Man homecoming or no, no, the second one um, far from home, far from home. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, In the final exchange between Loki and Mobius, Loki admits that he does not like hurting people. It's something he has to do. It's a, he and he agrees it's a strategy used by the weak, and he points at himself to instill fear. Um, and then they he ultimately agrees to help Mobius track a variant that is killing TVA hunters. And he says, "Do you know who it is? Who's the variant?" And Mobius looks at him and says, "Yes, it's you." Yeah. And we have the premise of the show: Loki hunting himself. So base, can we, can we do a couple spoilers? Soylent <laughs> green is people. <laughs> Dave, can well, we do Loki, Loki hunting himself? Question mark. Can I, oh God, come on. I'm just going to point out Owen Wilson's character is telling Loki you're the variant. Owen Wilson's character is shot almost exclusively in this episode from a low camera angle, which traditionally is done to signify that somebody's a bad guy, not a good yeah. guy. Yeah. So I don't trust everything that Owen Wilson is saying. Yeah. 
I don't trust anything that Owen Wilson has said in this episode yet because he hasn't said wow yet. <laughs> okay, we, we missed a lot of things. There's a million things, but I want to do a theory real quick. Okay. This is my speculation for the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because we've seen some footage and there's, there is a female that we've seen in some of the, the trailer footage. I'm theorizing, I'm hoping this is right, that we are going to see Lady Loki. There's a lady. Loki. Yeah, there there is. But Scott, just so you know, on that intake paperwork, it does list Loki's uh, gender as fluid. Really? Okay. Yes. All right. So the other things that we kind of missed and and skimmed over just real quick on this is we didn't get to talk about the D.B. Cooper moment. Oh, that was great. As fast as it was, it was still fun to see. They really nailed it, too, by the I just watched a documentary on it. So it was just great to see that. And then also. One of the added scenes that they had in there when he's rewatching his life is the moment he gets to see where his dad is sitting with him and Thor. And I love that moment because that's another turning point for Loki's like moment in the, in the Marvel cinematic universe. So yeah, I really enjoyed yeah. it. You know, the, the character Loki um, you know, he was in five movies, six movies, whatever it was, uh, but starts out as straight up a villain, a, a almost a mustache mustache twirling villain and ends up a good guy, you know, and and because he's never had his own story told, um, you don't understand why he changes. And I know that this is still an old version of Loki, but it, it shows that there's a reason why Loki makes the sacrifice in Endgame that he probably wouldn't have made, you know, either in the first Thor movie or in um, the first Avengers movie when he was the bad guy of those movies. You know, there's a reason why the character is doing what it is. And so it's uh, that's why I appreciate it. And that's why I'm liking this show so much is is it's showing what got him from point A or what you know? What motivates him to get from get to point A to point B, even though it may not be the same Loki that we saw in all those movies? Yeah, mm-hmm. Chris, do you agree? I agree entirely. All right, let's get out of here. I'm excited for this episode. I'm really, I like I say, my favorite Marvel show so far. Uh, favorite episode one. We'll see. We'll see if it's uh, if how it holds up. I was not a fan of either of the two episode ones so far. This one was uh, great for me right out the gate. Awesome. So far, this is my least favorite episode of Loki. (laughs) Wow. Your most favorite episode of Loki. Uh, Also this one. Yep. Well, I think the Marvel and Star Wars television universe, universe side, Universopolis. Month away from the first cinematic phase four movie, guys. One month. Wow. Right. Black Widow. Black Widow. Widow. Yeah. Yeah. So do you buy that uh, on Disney Plus for 30 bucks or you go see it in the movie theater? Movie. I'm going to try and go to the theater. Yeah. I'm going to try and make a theater to do this game. Yeah. Same. Scott? think i might this might be my first movie back okay because i i did the drive-in but this i have not been in the theater so this might be the one so yeah 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 i will see it in the theater yeah Yeah. it all go oh that might be a plan possibly find a window where we're all available all 
jerseys and go to the movie together. Oh, damn, that'd be great. <laughs> That's a photo wow. op. We would be so cool. <laughs> um, wow, 200 episodes in the books. God damn, dude, 200, 200 episodes. Yeah, Cheers. we've been doing this for a little while. Five Cheers, and... mates. Yeah. Clink. Here, let's put that close to the microphone. Oh, oh damn oh. That's a party foul. Shit. That's Lisa's favorite class. Oh, I just earned <laughs> attention. I just earned attention. <laughs> Live on air. Son of a Babe, oh, don't listen it. to this episode. You don't need to listen to this episode. I have never heard of so blaming Scott's you. fault. Scott did it. What? Scott's fault. Oh, God. We need a we need right. a lead. Fuck you, Scott. Quote is what we need. Hey, hey. <laughs> Fuck you, Scott. Right. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Until then, may the force be with us all. I agree entirely. You know, the uh, key, you know that, you. that's been recorded. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, that is her favorite class. Oh. We bought that in London. Oh, I was like, well, let's just get another one. In oh, I was gonna say, it sounds like uh, you gotta go make another trip to London. Oh no.